Hello, and welcome to another podcast series that CT and I have decided to throw together out of nowhere. Uh, For this podcast series, CT and I wanted to take a trip down memory lane and talk about the previous decades. Pretty undisputable that the last decade of anime was a major one, as it was this decade which saw anime truly go global, with streaming sites such as Crunchyroll and Funimation really finding their footing and developing a working rhythm. CT and I managed to survive 10 years of anime simulcasts, and now we're going to relive all the series that made each year great. If you have any favorites of your own that we don't mention, leave a comment or give us a shout on Twitter and tell us about it. So before we start getting into the nitty gritty of our favorite series, let's talk about where we were at this point in our lives. What What was going on for you in 2010? Uh, going on for me. Well, I started working at a new job, which I still work at. So hooray for that, I guess. Uh, <laughs> as far as anime goes, not not a whole lot. Um, I've mentioned before that I kind of got out of the habit in, you know, somewhere between 01 and 07. I wasn't really watching a whole lot. But even after that, of course, we didn't really have prominent streaming and other things. So I would just pick up, I would go to cons, I would pick up certain things at the cons, I would watch some stuff at the cons, kind of like uh, prior to my break, I I watched, uh, I think the last anime before the break, I watched uh, Magical Shopping District, Abenobashi. Uh, So... I would experience things at cons. I would pirate them online. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, but there is a limit to how much I was willing to really go hunting out and searching out and hitting fan subs still. So there wasn't a whole lot of content. So to, I'm not really sure, even, even looking at the list of things that happened in 2010, I don't know if, if and what from that time I actually watched in 2010. And of course it's hard to remember now. So, uh, I have a much more vivid memory, you know, starting a few years later when, uh, when actually being able to stream commonly, but, uh, but in the beginning here, it was just kind of the normal, okay, I'm, I'm experiencing this the same way I did before by some, uh, by some random sets, uh, I guess I was Netflixing stuff, but not, you know, digitally. I was uh, probably still able to do the disc stuff back then. I forget when I uh, stopped that. So likely I was doing a lot of catching up by what Netflix had available on the on DVD and what caught my attention. So it was it was still a bit of a confusing time. Uh, certainly less so than previous eras, but, uh, it's hard to remember, you know, exactly what I was, what I was doing during that time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, for me during that time, uh, I had been writing for about four and a half years, uh, writing about anime. I mean, I've been writing about other stuff earlier than that, but yeah, I mean, so I was still in the infancy of my writing career. I was working for a website and giving them way too many hours for way <laughs> too little money. Hey, it's so a job. I, 
Yeah, I remember that. I remember that much. And I do remember I this was a couple of years after I first started watching digital fan subs. Um I purposely stayed away from fan subs for quite a long time. My philosophy was that I wanted to wait for things to get a DVD release so that I could review the DVDs uh, and get an official translation rather than a fan translation. Uh, and then after starting around 2008, I want to say, is when I started, you know, kind of easing up on that philosophy and watching digital fan subs. So I watched quite a bit of anime in 2010, pulling up my uh, anime planet list just really <laughs> quickly. Uh, I was watching quite a bit of anime. I was consuming it both fan subs and then watching it again you know, when it became legally available, because a lot of series back then were getting simulcasts like a couple of months later, as opposed to instantly, like we right. did today. So, yeah, so that was definitely a period of time when I was heavily consuming anime. I was actively going out of my way to watch everything that I possibly could. How much Still. of your... Uh how much of your job involved doing reviews basically. So writing about, uh, uh, obviously if you're waiting for an official everything and for it to come out, that then that's part of it. You, you would be there. You, you still, I'm trying to recall how quick things came across at that point. Uh, fan subs of course came out as quick as they could, but even then they had to wait for the, the discs in Japan and you were waiting uh, of course for legal entities to get them. So, uh, you know, you, you wonder how, how much was any of it coming over in the year that it was broadcast in Japan or was it always, you know, catch up of a, of a year out or, or two years out by the time it, it came. Uh, I don't know what, what it was like at that point. But I guess the, the other question is for your job, how much of it was just doing that? So you're watching anime, you were reviewing it of the year of previous years. Uh, by the time 2010 rolled around, I'm trying to think how quickly we were getting anime back then. Uh, a lot of my job I, back then, I had started doing my seasonal reviews so i remember back then i was doing my seasonal previews and i was still watching pretty much everything that i could uh as it came out each season so it was a mix of reviews from previous years and also doing current stuff because i believe at that time when i was working for the website in particular uh we were doing we were covering seasonal stuff so it was definitely a big part of my job back then that's part of the reason why i was giving up so many hours for not enough money is because i was <laughs> trying to keep us current and competing with the big sites 
which was a really, really foolish goal. But back then, I was still in my, let me see, how old was I in 2010? That was 10 years ago. So I was in Six. my mid, yeah, so I was in my mid to late <laughs> 20s. So, yeah, so I was in my mid to late 20s. So I still had the energy to do that kind of thing. If only we had energy anymore. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so that's where I was back then. Uh, before we get into the series, though, I also wanted to talk a little bit about what was going on in the news around that time, because like I mentioned during my introduction, this was a big, you know, decade. There was a lot of stuff going on, both in the United States and Japan. Just going through the archives of Anime News Network, I picked out a couple of stories that kind of bring back memories. The first one was February when SakuraCon, the major Seattle convention, announced that they were going to be doing the world premiere of the Trigun movie, Bad, uh, Badland Rumble. Hmm. Uh, let me open it up. <clears throat> yeah, it was the world premiere, and I remember this because I went to this con, and I went to this premiere, and we got the movie. They did deliver on that, but it was played on VLC player with no <laughs> subtitles. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, plus, the, one of the big things that they were promising for this premiere was that the director was going to be there and fans were going to be able to ask him questions. Except for they did the... They did the Q&A before the movie as opposed to after the movie. So that nobody seems really... like an odd time to put the question. Yeah, nobody <laughs> nobody knew what to ask. Well, so, to be fair, nobody would know after watching it either. So yeah, exactly. But <laughs> yeah, so I just remember this being a major cluster of anger and confusion. They went through a lot of trouble to make sure you actually had to check in your electronic equipment. You weren't allowed to bring in any electronics to the theater because they were worried about it leaking out. Sure. Uh, so that was another big one because me and another press person really wanted to bring our laptops in so that we could actually, you know, write about the movie and write about the Q&A as it was happening. And we got into, we both got into quite the loud argument with Sakura-Khan staff over this. We eventually relented and let them, let them take our laptops, but we were not happy about it. Spicy times. Yeah, you so that gotten... was like the first major story of 2010 that brings back memories. The other thing that brings back memories was I remember this was also a year when uh, Japan was talking about their non-existent youth bill. 
which would have seriously censored mangas and all this good stuff. It eventually passed in a different way. But this was, I believe, the first attempt by Japan to really start cracking down on certain types of manga and anime, which I remember at the time, fans were just livid about it. Oh my god, they went off about this. Maybe we hit upon different sides of the same thing. That was one I pulled out as well. The Tokyo Bill on virtual child porn was what what the article was. I'm like, "Uh, yeah, you know, considering it keeps coming back up around there about, you know, rep representation of of fictional things uh yeah we've seen it come up and down i don't know if that was the first attempt to uh to crack down it seems to be going overseas now with the michigas over in uh australia at this point yeah you you saw that video of the guy uh yeah (laughs) reading descriptions pretty entertaining yeah i saw it that was definitely interesting but yeah i remember this non-existent youth bill was definitely a really hot topic of discussion back in 2010 Uh, a lot of fans around the world were really angry about it so i and i remember this very clearly because i think i might have been one of them Mm mm-hmm uh i don't remember entirely clearly if it was this one or if it was one of the other versions of the bill that i just railed against i think it was a different version uh, a couple of years later yeah well it always depends on the particularities of the bill but it it it's always struck me as a bit weird to have you know which which fictional which which fictional representations of what are simply, you know, fine free speech, uh, apparently, you know, annihilating whole cities is always fine. Uh, <laughs> murder and everything else, uh, is perfectly fine. But, uh, what, what supposedly, uh, you know, goes a bridge too far, wherein, at no point can any of this be causing actual harm to people versus the imagined conceptual harm of what it propagates among uh, uh, societies. So it also seems a really weird thing from Japan, because as far as I can tell, their their stats on on this is, you know, way smaller than other nations. I'm not, you know sure how well it's uh tracked precisely but mm. it it's you know in the u.s where <laughs> along with most of our crime uh <laughs> it, it it seems like you know other places are an order of magnitude more severe so it it kind of seems like a, a another weird thing to have something that's very commonplace, but also does not appear to be attached at all to the actual crime that is happening within their society. So, but it does keep resurfacing. Yeah. So, like I said, I think this was the first real, you know, instance and attempt by Japan to crack down on these things. So it just. Uh, stuck out at me to bring it up were there any other news stories that you saw that you won that you remember from back then well the the first thing that 
that came to mind while I was uh, reviewing them was, you know, a lot of it is just uh, Frey and N, they're just tracking license announcements and other stuff. But of course, at this point, there's a whole lot of Crunchyroll news. And I was trying to remember what year in which they stopped having, you know, pirated, copyright violating uh, content on their site. And it seems to have just been like 2009 is when they made the turn to going legit. So a whole lot of 2010 was them actually becoming uh, uh, the streaming site. So they launched an iPhone app in 2010. They were announcing, you know, a whole lot of things. And admittedly, I did not, you know, pick it up at that point. I, I still wasn't terribly interested or more to the point, they didn't have much of a catalog either. But it was interesting to see that. And it's also interesting to have not seen other sites try to follow that. That seems to have been the only big one. Other entities have made their stab at doing their own stuff. Viz would try out Neon Alley. Funimation, of course, you know, had been there, would would be there. But it uh, it was a little weird to see Crunchyroll's particular success not translate into other people trying to make the same turn. So uh, it's just interesting to see how much of the year was turning to digital specifically through Crunchyroll right at the beginning of that decade. Uh, As far as other amusing things, one amusing news article, not not one that I remembered, but that stood out to me was uh, apparently Ria Kugimiya had... uh, was going to a a convention or an autograph signing in Taiwan. Uh, you would you could either pay a whole lot or camp out to get a signature from her. Uh, that's of course uh, the voice actress of Taiga would probably be with Toradora would be the biggest thing before there. But like uh, the the most tsundere voice actress in the universe at that time, <laughs> and some fans were were camped out for almost a month, 25 days outdoors (laughs) waiting in line just to get her autograph. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) (laughs) that, that, uh, that amused me. A personal one that struck near and dear to my heart that I ran across was, uh, that, uh, there, there is an article about, Animago being unable to secure the rest of the license for Yuara. So uh, they only got the first 40 episodes, which that would have been one of the things at that time that I'm like, oh my God, they came out like Yuara is here. I, ca- I can get actual legal DVDs of this, all 40 episodes. I would try to hook everyone I could and then I'd wait for more. And then they were unable to go further. It didn't sell well enough. So it made me sad. I'm. Uh, and I know Animego is not going to uh, pick it up. They're they're not considering they fund through Kickstarter these days. They're they're not going to pick up anything that's probably more than a core because uh, they don't know how to translate that properly through Kickstarter. Uh, whereas OAVs and other stuff is a is a whole lot easier for them to have a dedicated project with measurable goals and a measurable delivery date. So 
my my hope lies upon discotech so all right so we've talked about where we were we've talked about the news let's start digging into the actual series that premiered this year looking at my anime planet list i don't remember how many of these i actually watched in the actual calendar year but since then at least i have at least sampled 74 series or ovas from 2010 oh my tracking isn't great but uh okay i also looks like when i when i filtered my my mal it's showing me the uh the completed so I probably only completed uh, about 16 or so, but uh, things that I sampled was, was more. I think I probably watched during that year uh, uh, the, the World God Only Knows. That feels like one of the things, because at the time I remember, you know, trying to pull friends in and doing stuff i remember that there were certain series that kind of had a broader group appeal so uh, uh something like the world god only knows i i do remember diving into with my with my friends in particular so not one that i've gone back to and revisited not one that ever got a a proper completion to it but uh it was definitely a, a fun series of its time. Yeah, I mean, looking over my list, there were quite a few really good series this year that I really enjoyed. Just, I'll go looking through the alphabetical list. Uh, there were a lot of really good ones. Uh, hold on, let me take a quick look. There were also some really bad ones, to be <laughs> totally fair. Sure. Because, uh, I mean, like, looking through... Uh, Black Butler Season 2 was a 2010 series, and that is a series that... I try not to admit that it exists unless I absolutely <laughs> have to. So, yeah, so that was an example of the really low of 2010, but there were some amazingly good shows this year, this year like Made Sama, uh, which I still swear by to this day. Sure. Uh, as far as series two of other stuff, of course, we had uh, all, all of the little chaos were created you know, turn of the decade here, mm -hmm. nine and uh, twenty ten. You certainly had a whole lot of. Uh, I, I feel like the the amount of prominence that Kyoto Animation got into between, you know, Haruhi and Lucky Star, and then swinging into K on there, it it uh, it it seems like not just as a studio, but of course also the kind of cute girls doing cute things and the moe aesthetic it it feels like basically at that point it's uh, uh it, it's pretty well cemented in as something that everyone else was going to follow so uh there there are a couple things you know concepts that it feels like the 2010s are uh uh are going to be a about if you were to define it as like here's a Here's kind of things that feel like a specific trend during that decade, and uh, 
it it kind of feels like the the big stamp of uh cute girls uh you know really cemented itself right at the beginning with uh with Cam season two in the movie oh, uh, to before you go to another good thing there's a uh there, there <laughs> something stands out to me another one that I watched with friends we were enjoying it a whole lot we like you know the character design we like the uh the the general approach it was uh an anime called occult academy I don't know if that's one that you watched but uh I sampled but, it. I never finished it. We we enjoyed a whole lot of it, but it's one of those that uh, is emblematic to us about, you know, a series that just jumps over the edge of a cliff at the end, where there's uh, something about the way that it ends that is just so utterly bonkers that it kind of, it doesn't necessarily have to ruin the whole experience but but it feels like it's trying if nothing else so uh i do remember that one very specifically for uh for having an ending that left us all very very befuddled and being like how on earth did it turn out this way yeah i mean there were yeah i mean there were quite a few series like that this year actually this year uh, excuse me. There were quite a lot of series that year that did this. I assume you were going to count uh, uh, Black Butler as emblematic. Now, maybe that didn't end. That was just a a bad second season. Yeah, that was a ter- Yeah, that was a terrible <laughs> second season. Um, in terms of other series that did really interesting things with like the ending uh i don't know if you watch Ka- uh, katana gottery that one's it's weird that one has been on my pile of shame but it's one of those that i don't believe has been you know brought around for easy legal consumption so i just haven't uh haven't gone back to it i keep looking for it i'm like who has this license damn it why is it not back because it's nisio ec and i i you know like this style of it obviously people sing uh high praises about it but uh it's one of those that i've never watched it's also one that i want to try to get a few people to watch with me when we do it so um uh i'm waiting a bit but uh it's it's uh, it's one of those I know about, but uh, did not uh, go through. Yeah, that was a series that, for those who don't know, it's 12 one-hour episodes, and each episode was released once a month. So it ran for an entire calendar year, and I remember being really excited about that at the time, because it was so different. It was you know just a real it was a different way to present an anime um and i haven't revisited it in many years but i actually do uh nis america released it on home video before they you know took their anime ball and went home (laughs) uh but and i still own it and so yeah that's definitely one of those series that I'm really glad that I own it since it's impossible to find now. That was one of the first anime from White Fox too. So they 
they started off well with uh, Tears to Tiara and then Katana Gatari. So uh, interesting to to see that. Of course, uh, ReZero, the next season has gotten delayed, but uh, we got uh, uh, Steinscape through them and a lot of a lot of good stuff lately, which we will obviously uh, mention when girl's last tour when we get around to 2017 stuff like that i uh, yeah i particularly enjoy this studio uh so uh, again you know it's a it's a more shameful pile of shame normally and uh, i'm not sure why i've held out but you know there's just way too many things to watch and so the things that are easiest to watch get watched first so yeah totally someone rescue this (laughs) So what, just out of curiosity, looking over the list, what do you have any series that you watched from this year that were particularly bizarre to you? Um, you don't even have to have finished them, just the show that you sampled from this year that even at the time struck you as very bizarre. As bizarre. I'm trying to think, because of course I've, was very used to bizarre i guess in some ways and this of course was very big for a lot of people um high school of the dead felt like it felt pretty bizarre in that uh it it felt a lot more like prior to it there was a harder uh, divide between it. You know, there are buxom babes in your thing, or there are uh, uh, there there are fan servicey bits to it. But you knew what to expect. You you'd go to Bible Black and Uritsuki Doji to get things that were just so overboard in the uh, etchy direction, uh, and you didn't quite get as much of that in your normal uh, broadcast stuff. And High School of the Dead was a weird amalgam. First of all, I'm trying to remember if there was anything that was like prototypical American zombie flick nature. You, you've you had obviously Undead and other stories there, but it felt a bit more like this was your survivalist zombie horror. And I'm having a hard time thinking of whether or not that was much of an anime thing prior uh also it it ramped up you know weirdly crazy over the top action in the middle of it the fan service and etchy quotient was uh, just so far to the other side so that that almost feels like its own uh uh you know inflection point <laughs> for the certain things that it delivers. And I do remember, of course, a lot of people obviously being really into that sort of thing. But it, in my mind, it was kind of a bizarre mix to see in in anime form. I don't know if you can think of things, you know, prior to that that I'm missing because my, my O's were a little bit uh, uh, scant. No, I mean, I can't really think of anything. High School of the Dead, I remember, took off like wildfire. Um, It was really popular when it was first released. And 
I remember the weekly discussions and people were posting about every episode every <laughs> week. Uh, it was so it really took off. And I think a big part of that is the reasons that you just brought up is that it did mix the etchy with the survivalist. It was different. It was really unique for the time. Yeah, it, it feels like that was who knows if it was on purpose or accidentally, but it, it it feels like it was doing the same sort of thing that uh, Attack on Titan would do later and bridge a bit of the the normie gap and the non-Otaku gap and bring in a lot of people who were just like, what? And, uh, and have a, a lot more appeal outside of uh, folks who are already, you know, immersed in it. Here, here, here's something that I don't know. I haven't found too many people i think who've either watched or read it i did not watch it but i uh read uh sorry de momachi uh and yet the town moves uh on uh crunchyroll manga had that so i i read it and i i love the type of oddball you know comedy in that similar to another series that came out this year, uh, Arakawa Under the Bridge. So there, there, are, there are a number of things here where I've, uh, you know, I haven't watched the anime because I've read the manga. And it's like, again, you know, is it legally streaming or, or is it worth investing the time for it? But is that something that you, uh, that you partook of? I sampled it, and I can actually remember this series very clearly, uh, <laughs> what I've watched of it at least. And the reason for that is, if I'm remembering correctly, this is a series where a promotional video came out, and everyone was instantly either angry or confused because the art style looked like something that had been done like 10 years earlier <laughs> and it wasn't like the crisp cute moe that we had become a little more used to from this time and then i remember watching the first episode and discovering that the reason why it looked like that is because the entire series was being done as a flashback if I rem if I'm recalling correctly, at least, and I remember getting to that point, thinking, "Oh, that's their reason," and then never watching it again. <laughs> yeah, it looks like uh, you d you took to neither that nor Arakawa under the bridge, poor soul. No, I did not get into either one of those, <laughs> unfortunately. Now this I year, did watch Squid Girl at least. So that's well, something. Squid Girl started in 2010, and that is, of course, you know, probably the best anime of all time, and definitely the best character of all the time because she's a squid and a girl. So, the, what more do you need? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I picked up the, uh, uh, you know, one of those collector's editions from Right Stuff at some point. There's, uh, oh my I don't know why I find that so appealing. A, lo a lot of similar shows are kind of annoying. And in many ways, what she does is annoying, but uh, I just find it in infectiously enjoyable. Squid Girl. <laughs> this year has, a, has an anime that I refuse to watch. 
Oh, really? Which ones? No, just one that I refuse to watch. Not for a quality thing. I'm, I'm sure it is probably very good. I've heard good things about it. Uh, I will see, I guess, if you have watched it, just so I know which way to take the conversation. Uh, you You definitely dropped it, so I'll find out why. I refuse to watch it because it's about making manga. So you read a manga about making manga about you know it's a shonen battle manga about making of manga you don't watch the anime of it i will not read manga of shirabako either because it's an anime about making anime you do it the right way so uh you you obviously stalled on on bakaban but i presume it's not because you said oh no i must read the manga instead so what, no, what do you bakaban, i was just bored by I never, and I never bothered to pick it back up. Uh, the first couple of episodes were okay at best, and I, but I remember I was bored by that series around that time, and I just never bothered to try it again. Hmm. That's, it's exactly the way that you can take, you know, the stock, that you can be a stock battle manga or a battle series and make me enjoy it. Cause I'm not very shown in battle. but if you are doing kind of a farce and you have the, the uh, field of combat is, you know, making delicious food or baking bread or, uh, you know, the, if your hype shown in battler has hot chicks gambling, I'm, I'm all for that. And in this case, it was a hype shown in battler, including tournament arcs and other stuff, which they could fit in, but it was all about making manga for, you know, the magazine that it was in, because they weren't hiding things. They obviously had fake series for the show, but they still talked about real series and other stuff, except for a few key examples, and they were referring to Jump and the things that Jump did. So it had such a weird meta appeal to me. I, I enjoy, you know, Bakamon a whole lot. You, you might try reading it as a as a manga. Maybe there was something to the way that it was presented as animation that that didn't appeal, or maybe you don't care for the shonen tropes delivered askew like that. But it 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 was like it felt like it was five levels of meta because you get to some serious plot lines in the future that feels like they are leveling critical commentary at their own editors about what happened in Death Note for the two uh, authors prior. So I don't know how true or not it is, but it kind of feels like they're sticking their finger out at the people, letting them do their... (laughs) their manga in their magazine about their own treatment with Death Note, the immediate series prior. So, uh, I don't, I don't know. I, I like it a lot, but I didn't watch the anime of it and I never will. <laughs> I'm doing a quick search right now because I saw another series that came out in 2010 and I don't know if it was the first series that I ever watched on Crunchyroll. I remember it was among the first. And I 
was hoping that I could find my tweets about it so that I could. Oh, that, oh that's interesting. Yeah. I yeah, was definitely but, on Twitter, but I wasn't tweeting about, about anime much. <laughs> yeah. I was tweeting, I was tweeting about anime quite a bit back then, but yeah, the series in question is a series of shorts called Phantom Thief Renya. Yes. They, they, they added that in uh, January 29th. That was one of those links that made me talk about Crunchyroll during the news segment was uh, Phantom Thief Renya. Yeah, I don't remember if it was the first series I watched on Crunchyroll. It was among them. Uh, and I re- But I remember this series also fairly clearly because it's very Looney Tunes-esque in its delivery which I really enjoyed. I just thought, and it was just a really cute series. It's another show that I haven't visited in many years. I really should go back to it. And I'm Uh, annoyed and have something to say to Crunchyroll right now, and I'm sure that folks in charge are definitely listening, so take this to heart. I tried at one point to roll back and see what the first stuff that I watched on Crunchyroll, you know, with my account, I probably watched a few things not signed in prior with ads because you could do that, but and mm-hmm. still can do that. But what, you know, what was the first stuff I was watching? Why did I make my account? What was I watching at the time? And so I dutifully, they have a history, a watch history, and I dutifully scrolled back as far as I could go. And I'm pretty sure it, it stalled at 2000 entries. Uh, at which point you couldn't go back any further. And I'm like, well, that sucks. Their history should be complete forever. They don't have to, you know, put multi-watches in there. Maybe, uh, you know, you don't have to have every single thing every time you watch it necessarily. But at the very least, your first watch should be tracked in a complete history. So make this happen. (laughs) I am sure that they will just get right on that. That's what I figure. I'm also looking over the list of OVAs that came out this year, and there's one in particular that was another one that absolutely took the world by storm. It went viral on YouTube. Uh, Even non-anime fans were talking about it, uh, and that would be Cat Shit (laughs) 1. Oh my god. Yeah, that was, I remember it got like a seven minute short, something like that. It might have been a little longer than that. Uh, And it was supposed to lead into a full length television series. But unfortunately, the television series never found funding, uh, which kind of sucks because I would have watched an entire series of Cat Shit 1. Roberta's Blood Trail was playing during, uh, during 2010. Yeah, I didn't watch Roberta's Blood Trail until many years later. Black Lagoon was a series that I didn't watch fan-subbed. I I waited for the DVD release. Uh, Jenny On released it originally, and I picked it up. I picked up the first half of it at a convention, and then I was never able to get the second half. I had to wait for Funimation to release the entire series for me to watch the second half of it. Technically, everyone knows when I watch Black Lagoon. So, yes, there we go. But, <laughs> uh, <coughs> so, 
let me see. Let, let, let me uh, give a quick scan as to films that I, I'm sure I get. Again, you know, there there aren't a whole lot of movies that would have uh, come out uh, that one could actually, you know, watch during the year. I guess the 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 was it still Studio Dean at the time? Yeah, Dean Dean Stay Night. Uh, they had their unlimited Blade Works films, but uh, but that would I be. I remember uh, being so excited to watch that because I really enjoyed the Studio Dean Fate Stay Night series at the time. So I was I, really excited for that. Considering the usual, you know, opinions about its quality, especially versus the ufotable stuff later. I, I have a feeling you may have been hypnotized by uh, by Rin Zetai Ryoiki a bit. <laughs> but, uh, of course, I think the most notable movie of this year uh, would have been Disappearance of Haruhi Suzumiya. Uh, of course, I can't chat about you with that, because if I remember, you did not watch Haruhi or you dropped it quickly, so that's probably gonna end up being a uh and a uh you know an expanding horizons thing at some point yeah probably uh haruhi i was never able to get into it so i never watched the movie i remember at the time the discussion of disappearance though was that fans were being really fickle about this one because i remember they were complaining about the tv series the decade previous because they felt that they weren't adapting the source material good enough and then the disappearance of Haruhi suzumiya adapted the source material so faithfully that they had like a two or three hour movie we also have uh, the directorial debut of uh Hiramasa Yonabayashi with uh, with uh, the Secret World of Arietti. So uh, one of those I re- I remember it, you know, being kind of weird ghibli. Uh, you know, just trying to feel like why why were they choosing this direction to go? Mm-hmm. I recall, you know, not necessarily at the time because I wasn't paying as much attention to the community but it it seemed like there was a push to uh of course there's always a push to replace uh uh you know who who can we get out of our studio to be the next Miyazaki uh the next Takahata and so he would he would go on and do uh when Marnie was there but uh but now he uh, he's over at Ponach I believe is how they pronounce what what is with these studios where no one knows how they're pronounced. I think it's Ghibli. <laughs> I think it's Ponach, but uh, I I can't fully count on it. They're all, they're not Japanese, so therefore <laughs> you don't exactly know how to pronounce it. It's like, you bastards. But, uh, so he would do Marrying the Witch's Flower later. I don't know if you watch that. We may chat about it in later years. Okay. I'm trying to think if there is anything else movie wise from that year nothing nothing that stands out you already mentioned trigon badlands rumble so yeah that would that would probably be the number two 
of course, at this time, especially online, it, it felt like there was quite a bit of uh, an Oremo takeover one way or the other, because that, of course, was 2010 as well. It would start a whole lot. You'd you you'd get a, a lot of the you know the the light novel adaptation accusations both in name but also in in kind of shtick and uh, and other stuff. It's it felt like that settled in. Uh, you of course had it with uh, Haruhi, but it it kind of seems like uh, Oremo was more excuse me more of an inflection point uh, for quote-unquote light novelization which uh a small later series uh which may or may not get mentioned in in 2012 would uh would shout from the rooftops and kind of define its own uh, uh property of what what does light novelization do i've always found that conversation to be a bit weird because like Lodos came from novels. <laughs> mm-hmm. You had a lot of old stuff that came from novels. Vampire Hunter D. Now maybe the, those weren't really considered light in the same way that uh, would come along with Haruhi and Oremo and other stuff. But you still have, you know, the Bakemoto guitar. You still have things that are spread so far all over the place that it's like, well, okay. It, it feels a little bit like the people who want to stereotype anime in general by saying anime is this thing. What other uh, prominent things either did you watch at the time or, or you know, come back to later that, uh, that are sticking well, out at you? Well, I think we can't have this discussion without at least bringing up this one series, which didn't do very well, but even still... It was exciting at the time to see it, to see them at least make the attempt, uh, and that would be Stanley teaming up with a studio to create Hero Man. Oh man, Hero Man was twenty ten. Yes, it was. Ooh, yeah. The, I mean, it's certainly interesting to see you know him come in, and that 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 would certainly not be Stanley's last uh, endeavor in the. Uh, anime world but yeah i don't i don't remember anything about hero man at the time or talked about literally a season later uh <laughs> it it certainly did not leave uh any any much of a presence but uh, it didn't but i still i don't remember really anything about that series other than it spawned a short-lived meme of <laughs> stanley asking for a cup of coffee Hmm. I don't remember that meme. I'll have to look it up. I mean, there is still a lot of series in 2010 that uh, that uh, uh, deserve a lot of mention one way or the other. One of them that's probably the weirdest on my pile of shame is... Uh, Amagami, which is weird because I'm not really, you know, I don't really invest a whole lot in the uh, kind of dating game harem structure sort of series. I know a lot of people make a lot about uh, Amagami SS, 
but there is something particular about the character designer for this that I just find tremendously appealing. So it's one of those things where I'm like, oh, I really need to watch that for the character design. Uh, Which is sort of funny because it... uh, uh, he had a... Well, what the hell was the new one? Um, same character designer had a newer series lately that I tried and then couldn't couldn't complete, and now I'm getting thrown off by it. I'll have to look it up. My brain no work. <laughs> Do you have any uh, anything that you would qualify as sort of a weird I've always been meaning to and haven't gotten around to this uh, or, or an associated I can't believe I watched this uh, you know embarrassment <laughs> uh, the second one definitely there are a couple of series from this year where I watched them at the time I enjoyed them at the time and now looking back I really wonder what was going on with my head like uh, Kisu Shisu Yep, Kisses was one of them. I remember I was a big fan of the manga uh, a couple of decades ago. Eventually, I grew out of it, but I was I f- a big I was a big fan of Bowtie Tama for for a little while there. Uh, another one that I watched that I'm not entirely sure why is Ladies versus Butlers. <laughs> That, that that does sound like one that uh, was of an era, and uh, who won in the end? I mean, it was the ladies had to win, right? That one so. was a love triangle series that ended with the hero, if I remember correctly, not. Basically, what happened with Ladies versus Butlers is that two girls were competing throughout the entire series for the affections of the main character. And in the end, there was a big competition to see who would get two tickets to a water park, I believe. Uh, And in the end, the hero decides, oh... Well, to settle this argument, here you go. And he gives one ticket to one girl, one ticket to the other girl, and walks away. There you go. He, yeah. Uh, he's Solomon them. Yes. I, <laughs> if I recall correctly, that is the way that series ended. And, yeah, it was... Enthusiastically. So. It feels like, uh, certainly, I think one of the... I'm not going to say, you know, most prominent by any stretch, but it feels like a fairly prominent uh, uh, community appreciated series is 2010 and kind of put PA works on the map because that's that's when Angel Beats. Angel Beats, I didn't watch at the time. I watched it a few years later uh, and it did get added to my favorites of the decade list. Uh, I I don't remember what turned me off about it at the time. I watched three episodes of it. I put it down. I didn't pick it up again for a few years. But I don't remember what it was that turned me off initially. 
I, and amusingly, I still haven't watched it, and I have no idea why. I'm trying to remember if it's one of those things. I think it's commonly available, as far as I remember. Oh, yeah. I, fe- I feel like it's one of those things where I was trying to watch it with someone in particular, but I could never convince them. So even though I am basically about as large a PA Works horror as you can get, the uh, I still have... <laughs> Still haven't watched that one in particular. And I should. It's only one core, so yeah. I might as well. It's I might re- as well pull the trigger. Yeah, you really should. It's definitely worth watching. Uh it's one of the er, one of the first team ups between uh PA Works and June Meta, I believe. I don't did they Well they'd work with him again with Charlotte and of course that's one of those a lot of people, myself included, feel like it walked over a cliff at the end. Did they work? Yeah, with but on I any believe others? Angel Beach was one of the first team ups that they did. Oh, you just mean with someone else prominently? Because they 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 would work with Mario Kata a whole bunch, including. Oh uh, yeah, I just mean that this this particular team up okay. was right. Yeah. Yeah. I know that they've teamed up with other people since then, but yeah. No, but I, I didn't was... think they did it with June Maeda very often. I thought only twice, so that that's more what I was following. I I can't remember other than Angel Beats and, and Charlotte. There may there may be more. There may be more coming. I'm also uh, starting to bow under the pressure that uh, that. Uh, uh, you know, when I go through a lot of PA works and I love a whole bunch of their stuff, I'll I'll throw them, you know, a weird slip with something like Glass Lip in the middle of it, especially if they give Shirobaka right after it. But lately, they've gone on a trend and I'm like, I'm not sure. I kind of enjoyed your Dooku, but it doesn't hold up. But then Fairy Gone and Sirius the Jaeger, it, it seems like they're doing a lot of stuff that isn't their strength, but more to the point, they're not delivering it strongly. And I'm like, well, you're you're doing original work. You do that a lot, and that's fine, but I, I want good original works. <laughs> Angel Beats was a good original work. So, I don't know. We'll see. I'm hoping oh. that they can turn that ship around. Yeah. Again, I'm sure they are listening intently. Oh, of course. Are there any other series, OVAs, movies that stand out to you that we haven't talked about yet? Uh, sure. I mean, not that there's much to say. I, I only watched Princess Jellyfish once, but uh, I would get absorbed in the manga a whole lot. Uh, I assume you, you did watch and... Uh, and enjoyed that. I watched that a few years later. Uh, I did enjoy it. The ending left kind of a sour taste in my mouth. Uh, but overall, I enjoyed it. Yeah, well, uh, again, if you're not going to adapt the whole work or you're not going to be in a position where you feel like you can get back to it, it's going to be a, it's going to end probably a bit sour no matter what. So, uh, if you've never read more on it, that's probably one to uh, to try to pick up. Okay. How much of a uh, uh, of a uh, uh, what is it a uh, Masaki Yuasa 
aficionado are you? Because we probably have people screaming we haven't mentioned Tatami Galaxy yet. Oh, Tatami Galaxy, I remember that one. That one and House of Five Leaves uh, are both series from 2010 that I tried to watch and I just couldn't get into them and I haven't gone back to them. Hmm. Interesting. For what was there anything particular about uh, about them, or it was just I don't know. It, it is seen and not paced well enough. For yeah, if I recall correctly, they both just had very unique art styles, which didn't sit well with me at the time, and I just haven't gone back to them since. Interesting. That's uh. I can, there are certain things obviously about animation style and art style that, uh, that I will find off putting. We've mentioned it before. Uh, the, those didn't strike me as that. They, they do strike me as off. I think there's one that, that it wasn't, I didn't like, but it was hard. It was hard enough to follow that I didn't go further with it yet, but I want to get back to, and that's, uh, was it Mononoke? Have you? Am, am, am I correct about that one? Mononoke. I think I am. Not obviously not Mononoke Hime, but it's it's the one with uh, with a very pastel, I don't know, kind of Kabuki esque sort of art style to it. I picked up a figure of the main character from that because the figure is great. <laughs> but, I don't know if you've run across that. I, I don't remember. That, that was a few years prior. It looks like a seven. But uh, yeah, I don't think I ever watched that one. I don't get that feel from. Uh, I don't get that particular, you know, off-putting from from Yuasa. But uh, did you watch uh, Sound of the Sky? Saranawoto. That's one of the. I that did seems watch that, and I absolutely beat the dead horse into the ground by constantly referring to that series as Kaon joins the army. Okay. Yeah. Well. I every chance that I got, every article I wrote about it, it was referred to as Kaon joins the army. I it feels like there's in. got to be a better uh a a more specific pun to make for that, but uh I was not I had watched neither of them during the era in which that would have been a thing, I suppose. But I do know that a lot of a lot of people really, really like that one. Amusingly, I enjoyed it, but yeah, I definitely saw it as just a military esque chaos at the time. <laughs> well, it would be outdone by uh, girls and Panzer later, so. <laughs> Cute girls doing cute tankery. Uh, the the funny thing is this particular series sticks out most to me from... It's like the reason that I just roll my eyes at uh, uh, Digibro. He was on a podcast with, with someone and, you know, if you've paid any attention to uh, to Digi and his videos, he had, you know, that 87-part series about hating on Asterisk War, which was basically him hating on A1 Pictures. I remember him being on a, another podcast I listened to and being 
not that he, not even that it, it was like, you know, I don't happen to care for one thing or another. He was like having to state it as actively hating or disliking everything from A1 Pictures after Sodanowoto. So after Sound of the Sky, so 2010, literally nothing for the rest of <laughs> and we're gonna we're gonna mention a whole lot of A1 pictures <laughs> things as we climb the years here. And I'm like, oh, oh God, it was just such hyperbolic nonsense that I'm like, I, I can't listen to you spout opinions about things right now. So it, uh, it 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 has a weird sticking out to me because it's teed in with that, which I find funny. But uh, I think we haven't mentioned what I might consider the most 2010 series. And I know that's a weird way of putting it, but it feels very much like a beginning 2010 sort of thing. Uh, I don't think you watched it or watched much of it. A whole lot of people didn't watch it as it kept getting, uh, you know, second and third seasons and kept going forward. But uh, I managed to share it with a bunch of people. It's very like, it feels like a, a very kind of up its own ass sort of a Taku uh, bait thing. But uh our our lovely do da 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 light light novel <laughs> adaptation supreme started in 2010. Uh, I have a I've had a fun time with it throughout, but for whatever reason, it feels like oh yeah that that's the 2010 anime, not the best anime of 2010, but it feels like that's what the year could be defined around for for whatever reason. That, uh, that stands out to me in, in that particular. I don't know if you have any strong opinions one way or the other about... I just remember that series kicking off. I can't count how many conventions I went to where everywhere you looked, there was someone dressed up as Celty. That uh, makes a lot of sense. It's it feels like an easy one to pull off if you have a uh, if you have a good body and want to buy a motorcycle helmet. She certainly was a very striking character, and of course, she's obviously uh, the most moe. Uh, <laughs> we, it's really weird, but of things that are not explicitly, you know, framed around romance, so I can get invested in character romance uh, between. Kelty and Shinra, I actually really like <laughs> their relationship in the middle of all of the rest of this, you know, utter nonsense that goes on <laughs> do not, 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 the rest of the time. So, uh, it's, it's a fun time and the first opening is definitely the best opening. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I mean, I looking over I mean there were other series that I sampled or other series that I watched so I'm trying to think if there's if I have anything like particularly important to say about any of them but uh this yeah. was I suppose if I yep if I this was the first year of Milky Holmes 
What? <laughs> you know that sounds. Awful. You've at you've at least heard of Milky Holmes, haven't you? I mean, I I've probably heard it, like hearing about things like the Quasar of Stigmata. I've I've heard of things, but uh, just tossing it out there it, it doesn't give me anything uh, to to run off. But, uh, uh, okay. what's, up with, what's up with Milky Holmes? Milky Holmes was a pretty popular series for a good while there. It was four girls who solve mysteries with the help of their magical little objects. It was obscenely moe. Mm-hmm. And it actually Looking had a pretty good run already. in the Saimoe tournament. Ah, okay. So that uh, that that explains your ease of calling it, I would imagine. To uh... yeah, I mean, I didn't watch all. I didn't watch all of it because it was diabetically sh- sweet. <laughs> uh, but it was definitely a standout series just in terms of how popular it became in Japan for a few years there. Did you ever uh, invest in working? I know that. Yeah, uh, I actually, I I really enjoyed that series Uh, all the way up until the end. I watched it and I enjoyed it. I should definitely do that. That was one of those that I'm like, why on earth would I want to for a period of time? Then I'm like, why on earth am I avoiding it? And I, I would watch other things. At a certain point, there are ones that are like, oh, well, I have to watch two seasons worth to catch up here. So I never get back to to doing that. But I'll, I'll watch something like uh, Servant Deck Service later, which feels like it's aiming at the same precise uh, uh, demographic for it. The thing is with the thing is with working is that even if you don't like the actual content of the series, it is absolutely impossible to not like the opening theme song. It is <laughs> infinitely okay. catchy. No, I warn a... you, it will get stuck in your uh, head. I'm I'm sure I've heard it. I can't call it to attention. Looking at a few other names, there, there's one because this will obviously lead lead in uh, within a, a short order. I see uh, Okami-san and her seven companions, which was something that I connected to through figure collecting, which I'd kind of started doing around the turn of the decade. Uh, I got a few Monbome uh, figures because I, I saw Gunbuster one, Norigo from Gunbuster, and I was like, oh my god, imagine that. And it was at the time when PVC uh, figures were actually getting interesting. They would have nice sculpts, they would have good quality. Uh, when I was really into, you know, con hopping and uh, stuff back in the 80s and 90s, you... you you had garage kits and you had to put it all together yourself and there was very little else. So it didn't appeal to me, but then it started to, so Akami-san is one of those where I picked up a figure knowing nothing about the series. Cause I liked uh, her design and her pose and the prop 
and then I would go in and start watching the show, and I'm like, eh, a couple episodes in. <laughs> so it it has. Uh, I don't I don't know why necessarily I dropped it. It just wasn't interesting enough to to continue with. But I still like the figure. So similar to that. I would have another figure which I would buy prior to watching the anime, but that one was uh, a uh, really nice uh, Nadeko figure, which had multiple different kinds of poses, and she could uh, be waiting. She could have jacket on or off or cap on or off. It was really great. I'm like, oh, that's cute. It's uh, not a kind of thing. But that would lead me into Bakemonogatari and that whole monogats series of course looms large everywhere and uh, certainly with me in particular so it it will come up a few times as we progress i'm sure uh my biggest regret is probably still watching tudaburu for whatever reason i think it was another one that my friends were still watching and we just we we were still missing, you know, kind of campy, uh, uh, you know, dumb shit of the Takahashi esque nature. Uh-huh. Like we say it's her and, and Ranma. So, Two Loveru had uh, had campy, uh, uh, you know, doofy shit. So we were like, okay, we'll keep watching it. But uh, he ends up with his face in a in a whole lot of panties in that. So. Not something that I'm proud of. <laughs> and I think my my biggest frustration, another thing is staring me right in the face, and that's uh, Nodame Cantabile. And that's because of the just the sheer unavailability of that series. 2010 would be the finale, so it's the last season, the last that we'd hear of it. But, uh, goddammit, someone rescued this. Why... Are these so not available? Amazon, when they were doing Anime Strike, brought uh, a number of old licenses in at, kind of out of nowhere. I know uh, they picked up Spice and Wolf. They picked up uh, a bunch of stuff. And they picked up some Nodame Cantabile so I could watch on it season one. And then after Anime Strike died, they let a whole lot of licenses lapse, including ones like that, which is obviously very short. So... It is not a series of the uh, of the twenty tens, but uh, it does stare at me, causing me to mention my frustration in the inability to uh, share Nodame Cantabile with the world. That will not be a unique frustration, because <laughs> I did mention Yuara earlier. But uh, you got anything left over, or have we uh, drained? Drain the spigot, as it were. I think that we've pretty much covered everything in 2010 worth mentioning. Uh, like I said, there were other shows that I watched, but I don't have anything particularly, you know, valuable or important to say about them. So, right or connected to anything. So, okay, I think that. I think that's uh, a good pull, anyway. We should probably try to uh, streamline it a little bit more in further years, or we're going to get stuck in uh, in these giant roundabouts. But hey, 
we we had no prep going in, so that's what you that's what they look like. <laughs> so, all right, let's go ahead. Let's call that good for this episode. Thank you, CT, for joining me again for this chat, and sure. thank you all for listening. I hope that you'll join us for our next episode or next podcast, whichever it ends up being. Uh, if you've enjoyed what we've been doing, please feel free to like, share, and subscribe to my Patreon, uh, and we will see you all again soon. Talk to you later. Bye. Later.